So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. All right. Welcome to the first episode of Deconstructing Health and Fitness in the New Year. We're back with Liz, yeah. Elizabeth, T. Hafner. Mm. <laughs> He's feeling super inspired today, it sounds like. I'm so inspired. Well, I think one of the things that we definitely want to focus on today is just maintaining that change that you want to see, right? Like that habit we talked about last week, which we didn't actually record. So I'll recap that in a minute for everybody so that they know what you're working on. Um, but it's all about trying to generate in this new year when everybody's feeling like they should overhaul all their old habits and throw everything out is trying to generate something consistent that you can hold on to so that in March, you're not frustrated because it didn't work. Right. And we managed to last week pinpoint something that you hadn't really focused on in this way before, which was eating without distraction. And it kind of popped up a whole bunch of stuff for you, didn't it? About like when we talked about what eating distract without distraction looked like and how you yeah. do it, like all sorts of feelings happened. Yeah, just like you know, just one or two. Wow. <laughs> a lot of feelings about that and how I could get around that actually just feel like okay well not like distraction this way but distraction that way can i do that loopholes are the thing yes that excuse whack-a-mole right we found a brand new exciting round of moles to whack because they were you know as soon as we started to discuss the idea of sitting down without a television without a reading item without some kind of mental distraction from your food and having to face another human being during your meal, it got really uncomfortable for you. Yep. Pretty fucking uncomfortable. Cause it, you know, it really, it really feels nice. Like food, food can kind of be an escape. So then why don't you just add some other escapisms on top of that? So you can truly go on a journey that is not anywhere near your existence. Yeah. For rest, mostly for rest. <laughs> yeah, because we we seek to cope with our stress, right? And and unfortunately, instead of food becoming a way for us to nourish ourselves, we tend to use it as a stressful, or sorry, as a coping mechanism to avoid stress, right? So, and we we also by not focusing on our food tend to overconsume. So, this is actually a foundational habit. And it's, it's hard to take a look at it and realize that we're not doing it when we think we are, right? We think we're working on all the right things. We think we're managing our portions, you know, eating whole foods, or doing all these other sort of peripheral habits that are important, but really the foundational habits, and this is something we're going to talk a lot about right now in the new year, is eating slow, being present at your meals, eating mindfully, and stopping when you're satisfied, right? So it's incredibly difficult to figure out if you're satisfied if you're not paying attention. So now yeah. we know how it went, like, because you did this big old experiment of like not watching TV during dinner. 
Yeah. Um, so I did that for three days and it felt really good. Um, it felt, yeah, I, I felt like I could really be present with my food and my fiance was at the table with me and we put on some ambiance on YouTube, which is just like crackling fireplace. I don't know, you know, something just to give you a bit of a, uh, a mood to your fake restaurant. And, um, I just felt like I didn't, I wasn't immediately like, oh, well, I want to go get seconds now. Cause I feel like I truly wasn't satisfied. I felt like I was actually satisfied after my meal and it, it felt like I, it helped, it was helping me move into the right direction of where I want to go. Um, and then I got severely depressed yesterday. I'm not 100% sure why. And then I was just like laying in bed and I was like, well, I'm going to eat at the table. And then I just like, I had no energy and I just laid in bed and Andrew brought me food. And I was just like, okay. And we just watched TV. So and I was like, I don't. I don't want to think about, I don't want to actually be in a place where I'm not distracted from my own thoughts and feelings. Because it was too uncomfortable to say those things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is usually what comes up, right? So how did those three days of not eating with distracted affect the experience of eating distracted when you went back to doing it? I definitely felt like a sadness, like this is not... This doesn't feel as good. It doesn't feel as fulfilling, um, not only physically, but emotionally, but also like I wasn't willing to get up from the bed and go sit at the table because I was like, fuck life. I don't care anyway. <laughs> Have you seen that TikTok video? It's like one of those audios that they're using a lot. It's the like, I'm lying in the bed right now and I know I should get out the bed, but if I get out the bed... I won't be in the bed anymore. And I'll just be doing nothing out of the bed. <laughs> and it's like, it's always some cat lying on its back or something like, you know, super comfortable. But it's actually a really hard obstacle to overcome when you're in that moment feeling that thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because it really, that's a, I mean, that's why it's viral, right? Is because people are like, yeah, I'm in the bed right now. That's pretty awesome. And it's a, you know, especially right now, it's really yeah. easy to, to justify not doing things because it feels like there's nothing to do for a lot of us. There's no motivator to get out of bed. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm trying to really figure out what, like, obviously the after holiday blues, which I thought, Oh, I'm not really getting this year. And then all of a sudden it just really hit me Mm. yesterday. And I feel like even though this sounds very ridiculous, I feel like there was some little part of me that believes in magic that was like, as soon as 2020 is over, life will just get better. And then you're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's actually getting worse. Like with the COVID cases are going to get worse before they get better. And it just really feels like. Like. It just kind of feels like you're really in the thick of it and like there's no end and why even try and what is happening? Like what what could you possibly do to improve your life? And you're just like, I'm so 
I'm so fucking sick of trying to improve my life right now. I'm just like, I feel kind of like giving up. Just like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck this. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting that you bring this up now because I've watched this building momentum of like, yeah, see you 2020. And it's like, but there's, it's just this arbitrary date on a calendar. Like what's fundamentally going to be different about tomorrow? And I think it's a, it's a, it's a natural tendency right, to try to draw a line in the sand and say, after this, things are going to be different. But that's literally what holds people back from taking action now, right? And so I've been watching a lot of this on TikTok. I've been on TikTok a lot, I'm realizing as I talk about it. But um, I'm watching, I think it's awesome as a social experiment, you know, and having the background in anthropology that I do, like I love watching things like this and I love looking for the trends and looking for, you know, movements and human behavior patterns right so like you can see a pattern with everybody going everybody going yeah 2020 was the problem right as soon as 2021 starts it'll all be different and you can you can swap out the narrative there for whatever you want oh well i had a really bad eating day today tomorrow will be different but if you or i'm gonna wait until after my birthday i'm gonna wait till after my daughter's wedding i'm gonna wait till after you know we go to disneyland yeah, once, yeah I move, once I move, I'll get my life back on track. Right. Those are those are non-real deadlines in the sense of like they're always moving targets. Mm-hmm. If you if you always pin your plan on the moving target, you never get to start, right? So there's this whole really interesting um PN article called the pause button mentality. And we've I know you and I have been through that before and read through it together, but it's 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 this idea that some point in the future is magically going to allow you to change. And you just mentioned magic, right? Which I think is really interesting too. Is this idea of like, yeah, this future time I'll have more control than I do now. But that's not true, right? And, you know, my husband, again, unpopular opinion time. Everybody watch out. Here we go. Like, he gets in trouble a lot at work because he's not enough of a, a cheerleader. And for those people listening who don't know, my husband is British. Cheerleading is just not a particularly culturally like rampant thing why, in England. Is that, that why whenever out. is that mm-hmm. why whenever you see like the cheerleading shows, none of them are taking place in England. They're all like from Texas or something. Because yeah, England England cheer English cheerleaders, pipe in English cheerleaders if you want to defend yourselves. <laughs> I don't really think it's a thing though in the same way it is here. And it's definitely this this raw, raw, everything's awesome mentality, which you know it's good to be positive and it's good to create an environment where being positive helps you make change, but it also pays to be pragmatic and say, like, oh, actually that kind of sucked. And I need to address that it sucked and sit with this uncomfortable feeling um, enough to be able to deal with it and move on. Right. So I think we tend in America to use optimism and positivity in a kind of destructive way. This is my Mm, toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. Hashtag. So it's like, (laughs) but I think it is because it sets up unrealistic expectations. And like something's wrong with you if you're, well, it's really just your perspective. And, you know, um, And so I think that's like a worldly perspective right now. I mean, maybe, but I also think, you know, rampant in America currently are the keep calm and carry on t-shirts of like a variation on the end all over the place. But this is the difference between pragmatism and just blind optimism, right? It's like, 
pragmatism says, okay, like kind of, things kind of suck and this isn't very much fun, but I'm going to keep going. And I think it's a really interesting cultural difference. And I, I live with this, right? And, you know, like I said, my husband goes to work and he gets all this feedback from people like, oh, you should be more excited. You should do more positive interacting and you should really boost people up. And he's like, no, I'm going to deal with now and I'm going to take action now and I'm going to look at the data that's presented to me and make decisions based on that. And it's become such a polarizing um, sort of approach that he has. He's literally got an entire host of t-shirts devoted to making jokes about this. And the newest one I bought him for Christmas was, it says embrace the existential dread. And it's got this big cat with a rainbow behind it. And the cat's arms are wide open, like embrace the existential dread. And it's, it's, it was a massive hit at work when he wore it yesterday because people are now starting to realize, you know, and for people who haven't, who don't know anything about it or anything, my husband actually um, works at SpaceX and is on the SN9, SN8 project, the Starship project. And so, you know, they blew it up most recently. And most people were like freaking out because it blew up and all the engineers were partying because they did such a good job of doing anything at all with that engine and making it get off the ground and lifting the super heavy load. And so they're partying because they're looking at the practicalities. They're looking at the science and the data and what's what they think is achievable versus what they achieve. And they're excited. And everybody else is like, but it blew up. And it's like, no. And this is the power of pragmatism over optimism, right? Optimism sets you up for false hopes. All optimism sets you up to expect everything's always going to improve. Everything's always going to get better. And that's just not reality. Sometimes things are going to get worse. And if you don't have a strategy in place to cope with that, then it's very depressing and disappointing. You end up sort of where you're at now. Right. So again, it goes back to what action can you take? What action could you have taken yesterday when you were feeling that way in bed of not wanting to get up and not wanting to actively engage with eating your meal? I mean, I could have just fucking got up. (laughs) Okay. Why didn't you? What was the conversation you had in your head with yourself that prevented you from doing that? I guess I was having, I was definitely having a bit of a pity party. I'm kind of just like, you don't need to do anything that you don't need to do because you feel so (laughs) shitty. You just need to. This idea of like um, this idea that started really gaining a lot of um, a lot of momentum about like just be kind to yourself, but it it often translates as just do whatever the fuck you want, no matter what, because that's being kind to yourself. And I know we've yeah. talked about it that that's not that is not necessarily what is being kind to yourself. You don't just give your children when they're being a, some like when they're being a, an asshole. You're not just like give them a lollipop because you're being kind to them. Mm-hmm. And it's this, we talked about it in the form of self-care versus self-indulgence. Yeah. And it felt like, I guess, like a self-indulgence thing. Like, like, but you know, fuck everyone and everything. I'm going to lay in this bed on my side, eating this beautiful pot roast that I made in my Dutch oven. Right. Which is already, I mean, that's a fantastic win, right? You've cooked yourself right. a cooked meal. Yeah. You're in your comfortable home. That was from a couple life. of days ago, though. <laughs> What's up? It was from a couple of days ago. Fine. That's fine. I mean, why should you have to cook every day in order to eat well? I don't think. Oh, yeah. Screw that. But I'm just saying I did not. 
if there was no way on that day I was going to just be all like, yeah, I feel so great. I'm going to make myself a home cooked meal. So I'm glad that I had the leftovers from when I was feeling better. Right. And so one of the strategies here is, you know, you, you can recognize that narrative, that narrative of I, I deserve to not do the things I want to do, take care of myself. I deserve that because I don't feel good right now. Right. So how do you counter that? Like, what are the tools you can use in that situation when you know that future you is going to be unhappy with that decision? Because it sounds like future you is unhappy with that decision. Yeah, future me is like, like, you kind of just gotten up. And also I like look back on that. I'm like, I felt so sad sitting on the bed eating. Like, I felt so sad. Um, I think... I don't know. I I think that being able to actually being able to actually label things self-care that don't seem like don't seem like oh this is the the self-care at the moment. I that's really confusing. Basically self-indulgence is not always synonymous with self-care. Mm, okay. And often it's not. Often it's not. Sometimes it is. Like if you're like, I'm going to take a really indulgent bubble bath, you know, I've had a really stressful day. Fine. Fine. Yeah, but okay. If like your children haven't been fed and your house is a mess and you haven't paid your bills, maybe taking that bubble bath right now isn't self-care. And so be careful because labeling specific actions as self-indulgent or self-care can lead you astray in context. So one of the things we could do is we could make a list of actions that fundamentally improve your ability to take care of yourself and actions that are fundamentally self-indulgent, right? To see if that holds true, to see if context matters or not. Huh. I feel like context always matters. It, it always matters. <laughs> but I mean, like but going through this literal exercise, this experiment of literally listing out like, this is a self-care action, right? And trying to define those more critically will help you deal with those moments when it's like, is this self-care or self-indulgence? Because you're going to have that argument with yourself all the time when you're feeling low. Right? When you're feeling low, you will justify anything that makes you feel less low, which you thought was going yeah. to be staying in bed eating that meal. But that isn't actually the outcome. The outcome was I actually felt worse after I did that. So that's one of the questions you can ask yourself when you're in that moment. It's like, all right, future me, is future me going to be happy that I stayed in bed and ate this or not? Okay, so then it's like, fine, future me is not going to like this. So that tells me it's self-indulgence and not self-care. Let's uh, go and check. Uh, yep. And then the next thing, the next thing is finding a way to not then turn that realization into self-abuse, right? And finding a way to take that realization and say, okay, 100% effort would be get out of bed, get dressed, go sit at the table, stare get at the wall. Okay, you didn't say anything about getting dressed. I, I said 100%. I'm sitting at the table with my underwear, and that is still, <laughs> I've been sitting at the table and having dinner in my underwear, and I am not about to get dressed in no fancy ball gown. This I is said, the that's crown. That's 100%. See, this look, at, look the at crown, that. Chris. Look at that resistance. Look at that beautiful, beautiful resistance. All right, so 100% would be get up, get dressed, sit at the table, have a nice meal with exciting, amazing conversation. Yeah, that's 100%. 0% is staying in bed eating your meal. 
Yeah. What's in between that? Just getting at the fucking, just sitting in at the fucking table right. and begrudgingly having your meal and whatever, just getting like, just, just that environment, just being at the table. Yeah. And not being in bed. <laughs> what about even just sitting up in bed and sitting off the side of your bed, maybe eating over a little tray or a table? Well, that sounds, so awful. Get that sounds like why, like for me, I'm like, well, why would I do that? It sounds very uncomfortable. I'll just go sit at the table. Okay. Ah, but see, this is, this is, the, this is the way. <laughs> Sorry. Way too much Mandalorian and TikTok. I knew it. I was like, I feel so, like you brought that up before. But it's like, this is literally it because you can have that discussion with yourself. Of like, okay, here are the intermediate steps. This isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. Oh, this is worth it. This is the step. Okay. This is what I do. Drag yourself out of bed. Sit at the table. Maybe. Maybe I like that. that. What if it's drag yourself out of the bed and wash your face before you eat your meal? So at least you feel fresh. Or I mean, Oh, like I'm fancy? Like yeah. I'm fancy? I know. <laughs> Take I a shower. I ask for pants, okay? I'm not even asking for pants. I'd say take a shower and wash your face, right? So it's how small, how incremental can you make these steps? Yeah. Because that's the secret to taking an action. So you've got to make that step small enough that you're willing to do it right now. Because if you're not, you still have that next moment to justify not doing it. And then the next moment to justify not doing it, right? And then you will perpetuate so, if the movement is, or the action is too big. So to go over that again, so I'm laying in bed, fuck life, fuck everything. I, I literally don't need to do anything if I don't want to do it right now. Right. Step one is future me going to be like, what is future me going to think about this? You know, is this going to feel like a win? Is this going to feel like, oh, that was a good decision. That felt really good. And that felt like self-care. If the answer is no, what, what's one thing? What's one thing I can do? Yeah. move towards what what well, self-care really is step two is established 100 percent right if you if you don't establish the 100 percent, it's hard to find the increment oh step okay step one is my future self gonna be happy about this uh step two what is 100 percent? hell yeah when and then figure out connect the dots right right because it's, it's literally about getting started. Because sometimes just a simple act of standing up. I mean, it could literally be like, all right, look, I'm in bed. I don't want to get out of bed. I feel crappy. I just want to eat my meal here. I'll make myself a deal, right? I know the thing I should do is get up, go sit at the table, have an undistracted meal, eat slowly, blah, blah, blah. That's 100%. I'm just going to yeah. stand up and make a decision from there. All I got to do is stand up right now. <sighs> And then once yeah. you're standing up, you get to make the decision. All right, I'm standing up. Do I sit back down and go back to bed? Or do I go walk out that door right there into the other room? I can reassess again when I get to the other room. I don't have to stay here. I'm not committing yeah. to anything. You're right. It's that. It's that. It. It's funny because it doesn't feel like enough of a win where I'm like, what do you mean mm -hmm. just standing up? Like, 
So it's almost like, well, why even do it? But these little, little subtleties matter, especially when you're dealing with yourself, when you're in depression or anxiety. Absolutely. Or whenever you have a big daunting task, you know, it's the old, how do you eat an elephant thing? Like one bite at a time. Start at the tail. One bite at a time. One bite at a time. Doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter where you start. I love elephants. Let's let's not eat them unless we need to. I mean, it just needs to be a really big animal. Do you want to eat a hippo instead? I mean, hippos are kind of like. I mean, they kill a lot of people. <laughs> um, they really they'll fuck you up. Good luck. You know what? Yeah, if you can catch a hippo, then go ahead to see if you. But you can't have a gun. You cannot have a gun. You got to catch it with your bare hands. Good luck, everyone. You have to just take bites out of it. You have to chase it around and take one bite out of it. <laughs> good luck with that just kidding please don't try that let's don't try that and also let's protect the animals except for the humans fuck them just kidding all right so really. i mean how do you feel like this is going to work for you to apply it and do you want to keep working on this same habit going into next week yeah i do think that this is the right habit to be working on i definitely i definitely feel this is good um and then my other habit because I was really just focusing on two my other habit is um to have a structured exercise for 35 minutes at least um three days a week right and I gotta say there is nothing (laughs) there is blanket statement time there is like nothing more difficult than exercising when you're super depressed but there is also there are also very few things that will make you feel significantly better when you're super depressed yeah yeah god why does it have to be a catch-22 i hope i'm using that correctly i never actually read that book well i mean I think this is sometimes just the nature of the beast, really. I mean, that seems like a platitude, but like it, it is the nature of the beast. Like we, there are a certain amount of things we we need to do for ourselves to care of ourselves that aren't any fun. Yeah, like, mo- like are, most things. I mean, that are just some work. But we are also yeah. I think one of the things I use for myself sometimes when I'm feeling like this is I I try to remind myself that you know we're only here in this place with the ability or the luxury, I should say the luxury of having to struggle with the idea of moving ourselves around enough and taking good enough care of ourselves because we've been so damn successful already as an animal. You know, I mean, what other animal on this planet can not worry about shelter and not worry about predators and not worry about food and not worry about reproduction and not worry about, you know, all of these basic needs. It's because we've achieved all of our basic needs in a way that allows us so much free time that we struggle with these issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like the problem of the privileged because there are definitely people in the world who do not have all of those boxes checked. For sure. They just don't. And And reminding yourself of that can sometimes be like, okay, you know what? Like I can get up out of this bed and go eat a meal. The yeah, can do that. the fact that I have a meal to go eat. Yeah, my ancestors overcame these obstacles <laughs> for me. You know, like I can do this. I can, 
I can live up except, to this. Except I could also flip it and be all like, yeah, but if they didn't, then at least I'd have to go get a, like a sick ass workout and like hunting mm-hmm. some big ass creature. And then I wouldn't have to worry about calories in versus calories out because I right. would be all like, I'm shredded as fuck. <laughs> I know, but I mean, it's, it is the trade off. I think it is the trade off. You know, like, yeah. there's no inherent struggle in your life. You've got to find more self discipline. Mm-hmm. And when there is struggle in your life, it's it's obviously a lot easier to be disciplined. You know, this is because yeah. you don't have a choice. It's the choice that makes it hard. It's the choice that makes the challenge in your brain. Yeah, and too many choices feel so bad. Right. So one of the ways that I often frame this idea to people is this idea from it's a really old movie now, and probably. 50% of people who are going to listen to this won't have ever heard of it, but it was What About Bob? And it was a Bill Murray Oh, movie. hell yeah. Take a and vacation from my problems. What's that? Take a vacation from my problems. Baby Take steps. From my, yep, baby steps. That's where I'm going. Baby steps on the bus. I mean, literally, you watch him work through this. It's so <laughs> funny. Does, and it works for him, literally, because he just takes baby steps instead of like using it metaphorically. <laughs> right? But I mean, actually, it's so great. It's funny, but it's also really powerful. Yeah, because it is it is the secret to getting something done that you don't want to do. Just start, right? You just have to start. You don't have to finish it. You don't have to achieve great things. You have to start, though, or you never get anywhere at all. So, this is what I'm writing in your thing for this thing: is we'll use baby steps approach when feeling challenged. And I love when people have actually seen this movie because at least I can conjure this image for you of like, hey, remember when Bill Murray like took a step on the bus and then left and the bus driver was like, fuck you. Why are you getting back off this bus? I, I mean, like, I remember that. And I didn't as long yeah. before I was the coach as long before I was doing any of this, but that particular scene in that movie, I just, it really stuck with me. And I was like, wow, my family, my family has brought this, has brought this movie up to me so many times because of my OCD and my anxiety actually mm-hmm. and compared me to his character in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I get very, I oh, get very anxious and overwhelmed. Whew. Yeah. That's a good movie. Everyone needs to get out there and watch it. I'm trying to even think if there's anything problematic in it where you're like, I'm offended. It's 2021. I'm offended. I mean, I mean, okay. I'm yeah. sure there is, but it's pretty damn good. I mean, I think it's just it's you know you can take what you want from all of this <laughs> stuff. You can you can find a way to be offended about pretty much anything, or you can be pr- pragmatic and look at it like, okay, I think this is just the this is the thing of the day. It's like pragmatism wins. It really does. I mean, you know, I, I can remember. What is the definition of pragmatism? Uh, you know what let's look it up and let's actually read it out because i would define it as you know taking into account situations or you know facts and acting accordingly but let's let's actually be so being like um being practically optimistic (laughs) pragmatic dealing with things sensibly and realistically in a way that is based on practical rather than theoretical considerations Oh, yeah, no, that's not how we live in this society. I mean, no, this is like science, right? Like, <laughs> how is the science thing? 
but it, it's definitely more of like, oh, wow, I have this like emotion. That's interesting. Like, where did that come from? How do I deal with it? And then like, if I don't want to have this feeling anymore, what do I need to do? Or like, oh, I really enjoyed having that feeling. I'd like to have more of that. What do I need to do? It's, it's action based on experiences or action based on facts. I mean, I just, I don't know how else to put it. And I think I used to get nailed for this early in my um, life because I think I've always been a bit pragmatic and I didn't know that word at the time. Yeah. But people would often call me negative. And it was, it was a hundred percent of the time when I would call out some kind of problem where I would say like, Hey, I think this is going to happen because of this, this, and this. And like, why are you so negative? And I'm like, ah, uh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize that was negative. I was just trying to say, Hey, like, what can we do about this? I think being pragmatic often probably can be because you're being, dare oh, I use this word, realistic. You're not cheerleading. <laughs> you're not saying you're not cheerleading. Awesome everybody is awesome. Everything is awesome all the time. And I think that's definitely something in our society we shy away from. And we could get like super deep on how that's really useful um, to the powers that be to keep us from being unhappy about things they're doing. You know, it's, it's very much about, I think about societal control is if you don't give people the right to be unhappy, it's hard to build a rebellion. God, that's such, if you don't give people the right to be unhappy, it's hard to build a rebellion. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, that's good. But if you're, if every time you bring up a negative thought, I mean, it's basically like, my husband calls it the thought police. <laughs> and he calls it the thought police because like, uh, you know, after years of training, reading body language and doing all of this stuff, like I can read, I can read him, you know, and I live with him and he's my husband and I've known him a long time. And so like, Whenever I see or I perceive an emotion that I don't like him having, I call him out on it. And it could be anything, you know, it doesn't have to be a negative emotion. It could be like, why aren't you having enough fun? And he's like, oh my God, thought police, like stop. (laughs) That's right. You and I have like bonded over this because I do the exact same thing with Andrew. I love to do thought police things. I'm like, I'm going to fix. I don't even know. I do the, I do the same thing. Like I can see that you're not having as joyous a time as I think you should be. (laughs) Totally. Which is a ridiculous thing to put on somebody else. But, and so it's become a bit of a, it's a joke now. Yeah. But I think on a bigger scale, it's not that funny. You know, I think it's, it's one of those things to really be careful of because I feel like we're entering a bit into the thought police territory in society of like, Uh, that is literally how you control people. Like, you know, yeah, when you think of oppressive cultures and people aren't allowed to say things or aren't allowed to, you know, express certain opinions. I mean, this yeah. is where we're, this is a little bit where we're heading. That is, that was a Treehouse of Horror episode with The Simpsons, but it is also yeah. a reality for <clears throat> certain places in this world mm-hmm. where they do not allow Winnie the Pooh anymore because someone made a meme in China. Really? The, the president, I, I, I use the term very loosely, the president of China, um, I guess people were doing like this meme between with him and Obama of like where, where the president of China, Jing, uh, Jin, oh God, what's his name? Xi Ping. Um, thank it? you. Yes. And um, he was Winnie the Pooh and Obama was like Tigger. And then someone else did like another <laughs> meme. And... Apparently that's so offensive and upsetting that he has banned Winnie the Pooh. 
from wow. China. <laughs> and I mean, this is and it, extreme. I mean, but. yeah, but it's very much like this. Oh. Yeah. So I just, I didn't want to just say like, oh, what a, like, what a, like, crazy reality. But I'm like, oh, it actually does happen and these things do happen you know even in the world today and not just in china i mean these things happen in interpersonal relationships (laughs) forget oh yeah global scale right like this happens with with couples with families you know there Mm -hmm. are definitely unspoken rules we all follow and and it's really challenging to take a look at them and and decide differently what are you eating don't eat that oh too late. Is that the cat or is that your daughter? It is. No, I don't yell at my daughter not to eat things. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat that. She's like, what are you eating? Things. She's now that's reserved for animals. picking up things <laughs> off the ground. And she's <sighs> just like, oh, what's this interesting thing I found on the ground? Great. Sorry. Well, I just, <laughs> I just will never forget that vet calling them dietary indiscretions when he found that mass of non-food things in my cat's oh, stomach. Like, dietary oh, indiscretions. Dietary indiscretions. And I'm like, ha ha ha. Oh my God. I need to go off. You know, since we're talking about dietary stuff, I got to go off. I got to ask you, this is, I don't know if you, I don't know if I've ever brought this up to you, but um, I don't know if you've had clientele who have come to you and, and say that they crave, they Not crave things. Else. Yeah, like I guess it's called pika, P-I-C-A. Yeah. I crave, and I started really looking into this because it started getting really intense. I mm. really do crave, like, at least I think I, you know, I think this sounds good to my brain. I haven't tried it out. I crave dirt. Mm. Okay. I really crave dirt. And I'm just like, when I'm when I, you know, when I, when you smell the way, like, you know, wet dirt smells or like this earthy, I love, I just want to like, honestly scoop it up and put it in my mouth, which I don't do. Well, okay. I actually think that's a really interesting one. And I'm going to say some wacky things. Okay. Just go with me for a second, but like, how do I start? Oh, I had so many thoughts at once. You said that. Hang on. I gotta, I gotta okay. categorize them for okay. like a quick hot minute here. All right. So, would you definitely classify dirt as non food? I wouldn't, but according why not? to. Oh, why not? Wait. Well, I think it's I like it's, it's, it's organic. Right it's organic matter. Um, there's, there's a nutrients in it. Like you could eat dirt and, and cultures eat dirt. And, you know, having looked into this, I know uh, apparently a lot of uh, pregnant women uh, crave dirt because of the certain nutrient makeup in it when they're, you know, in regards to pregnancy or things to do with anemia and people do eat dirt and they all make like, like clay things to eat. Um, so if I done, someone, having done uh, some research on it, like okay, having done some research on it, right? Yeah, you actually found that maybe it's not not a food item. I found that I can buy clay dirt from Etsy to eat. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> this is I'm awesome. Very... I'm so glad you brought this up. Like, this is such a rare opportunity to get to talk about this. Like, nobody ever asked this question. I love this. Really. Yeah, because it's actually 
really fascinating the the association that we have in modern society with eating earth. And I mean earth, I don't mean dirt like something you find under your couch, right? Or like yeah. licking an airport railing or something. Oh god. Oh, we're, talking no. about, we're talking about like actual earth soil, right? Yeah. Like you're out in the middle of the woods and there's some rich, fertile soil. Yeah. All right. So if you look at the nutrients required for plants to grow, they're not that different than the nutrients we require to grow, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, reproduce cells. Calcium, iron, obviously yeah. you need sunlight. All these things, right? And I, you know, we could go deep, dark into the chemistry of it, but let's not, because that's not useful. <laughs> but I mean, it might be useful for some people, but for the purpose of this discussion, it's a bit much, right? So if you have a nutrient deficiency through lack of access to high nutrient density foods, through lack of consumption of high nutrient density foods, through, like you say, pregnancy, and you actually need more nutrients than you needed before that are um, scarce in your diet, then a craving for dirt isn't that abnormal because it's literally the root source of all of these nutrients. It's where it all comes from. And so poor quality dirt leads to poor quality produce, which leads to poor quality nutrient intake for humans, which then sends us right back to craving dirt because it's the source, mm. right? I mean, this is so dorky, ready? But we're all made of stardust and all the stardust is all that matter. And we just recycle that stuff around all the time. So like, it's not that weird to crave dirt. It's just kind of potentially a big sign that you're nutrient deficient somewhere. What should I do? Should I eat dirt? <laughs> you should probably take a look at the depth of color of your fruits and vegetables and the variety of color of your fruits and vegetables that you're getting along with the sources of protein you're taking in. Yeah, so I would take a look. I maybe write down your food for the day or for a couple of days because I know you've been mm -hmm. taking pictures for a really long time, but literally just list it out and take a look at the colors that you're listing. Take a look at the depth of color that you're consuming um, and, and see if really you haven't potentially just generated a nutrient deficiency. It could also be related to thirst. Um, I didn't touch on that really yeah. right now, but it, it definitely is a salt thing as well. Uh -huh. So yeah. That your pipe is smoking. I hope um, this sparks some thought for people. And uh, yeah, don't go outside and just eat dirt. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't. Well, do we'll that. see. But we'll see. you know, if you're having cravings for non-food items, it's usually worth looking into whether you're nutrient deficient somewhere. In fact, even with pika and cats, because this is what you know. Back to the origin of this discussion, this is kind of what they look at when cats start eating non-food items. You know, is it trauma? Mm. Is it nutrient deficiency? Like, what kind of food are they getting? It's usually related to something there and you can hopefully solve it. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. <laughs> it's what you take away from them. Wow. Right. The more you know.